Hey, Katie, we have Matt on the line here. What would you like to ask him? I've really focused in on the fact that syndication is all about the team. How do I or how do any other inspiring investors position ourselves to be able to maybe stand out from all the other aspiring investors? You can do this one of two ways. You can either start small and go big. That's what, that's what Liz and I did. We started in smaller real estate and worked our way up quick. I've told people before, if you double your portfolio every time you do a deal, you will grow exponentially. Or you can do option two. Find a way to bring your greatness to the real estate business and say, hey, here's why I'm awesome and here's why you need me. Welcome to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast with your host, Brian Briscoe. In this podcast, we bring some of the top professionals in the apartment investing field to discuss various aspects of the apartment investing journey with the sole purpose of educating listeners to make wise investment decisions. The Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast is sponsored by Four Oaks Capital, bringing you high yield returns through apartment complex investing. This is journal entry number 29 and part of our Ask the Expert series. In this episode, experienced investor Matt Faircloth explains to aspiring investor Katie Love how to provide value and attract experienced investors as partners and mentors. And now, the show. Welcome to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast. I'm your host, Brian Briscoe with Four Oaks Capital. Now, I'm very excited for today's show. This is one of our Ask the Expert episodes. We have two absolutely amazing people on the line. We've got a guy with a ton of experience in, in the multifamily and, and real estate in general. Uh, Matt Faircloth, and a very motivated and energetic aspiring investor, Katie Love. So Matt has been a full-time investor for 15 years. In that time, he successfully completed projects involving dozens of fix and flips, office buildings, single-family homes, and apartment buildings. He started with a $30,000 private loan, has now completed over $40 million in transactions using private money. He's a regular contributor and podcast guest on biggerpockets.com has an active YouTube channel dedicated to educating investors, and is the author of the Amazon bestseller, Raising Private Capital, How to Build Your Real Estate Empire with Other People's Money. You know, that said, Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Brian. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. I, I usually read one book a month on multifamily, and, and your book was the one that I, I read in May. And I tell you, I absolutely love it. I think it was full of actionable information in there. I think it's something that anybody can pick up. doesn't matter what level people are at. I mean, we've raised $4 million in the last year, and I had a lot of takeaway items from that. So that said, great book. Thanks for writing it. Thanks for, for putting it out there. You're welcome. Thank you for reading it. And, and I know you told me you just wrote a review on it. So I appreciate you doing that. For anybody else that read it, please take a moment and write a review on Amazon because it really helps propagate the message from the book and helps make people aware of it. And, and it was a pleasure to write. So, th- and so thank you for your compliment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, it was a five-star review, no arm twisting or anything like that. You nope. know, sincerely, it was a great book. Very happy to, to help, help promote that in any way I can. I've been following you for a while. I got to tell you, you know, you're, you've got a very impressive group. You've got a lot of stuff going on. If, if you would, please, why don't you take a minute to tell us a little bit about your background and your history up until the point where you, you decided to do apartments. I know there was a lot of fix and flips and other things in there, but 
Sure. We've kind of always worked on opportunity. We just, we're just real estate opportunists as a company over the last couple of years, over the last 15 years. And we tried a few different things, levels of real estate that worked at our capacity at the time. We're not this company that just took a weekend course on buying apartment buildings and decided to become apartment building experts after the weekend was over or anything like that. We've been doing a lot of residential stuff. We've done a lot of flips and that's really just has to do with the market. I mean, a lot of flips that we did we're in the run up, uh, run up to the crash, and then in the rebuild after the crash, a lot of the flips that we did and that were success, we were successful with, were then in that. So we've always been just call it like just kind of playing the market that we're in because a good friend told me years ago, you can't change the market, you can only hope but to participate in it. Mm-hmm. And so at the time and at our capacity, fix and flips and small residential deals made sense. As our capacity changed and as our knowledge base and as our team changed and as our capacity for raising capital changed, we've slowly grown, big, grown bigger and bigger into apartment buildings. So it's just a natural migration that way. But we've, we've been in, in deals that worked for us at the time. And I still own a lot of that stuff that we bought in 2005, mm-hmm. 6, 7, pre-crash and uh, own a lot of things that, have, that we bought uh, right after the crash too. So. Yeah, nice, nice. Well, that's, that's a lot of experience. I mean, I, I think a lot of people in the the business now are haven't experienced a crash and don't don't have the same lessons learned. I mean, we're they are now. Through, yeah, we're going through a little little hiccup. <laughs> um, I'm not sure if I'm going to call it a crash yet. I, I think I think we need another year or two to really decide that one. Yeah, so, I don't think we're I don't think we're yeah the other shoe hasn't dropped yet for just right, yet, but we'll right. see. So, so let's uh, address that. How are you doing things differently right now in this, in this COVID environment? Hmm. Well, COVID changed a lot of things, of course. Mm-hmm. And I think that it, it, it exposed that a lot of folks that invest in real estate up until COVID were playing the rise, meaning like they were like, okay, I'm going to buy an apartment building and it's not going to make any sense or make any money at all mm-hmm. when I buy it. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to renovate it and I'm going to raise rents and I'm going to play a rising economy by raising rents and encouraging people to pay me more money for this property, mainly because I've got, it's got new countertops and, and stainless steel appliances. Um, which, by the way, that was a game that, this isn't a new game. That's a game that was playing in 2005, six, seven, right? Yeah. Is renovation to play appreciation. And that's been going on up until, up until COVID hit. And what it's changed, I, I can't speak for other real estate investors. And I think there's other folks that are still out there trying to play the renovate to ride the appreciation tiger themselves. And that's just never been a game to Rosa's plate. We are all, we have been, always will be a cash flow company. And so we invest for cash flow, we invest for dividends, we invest for yield now. And so I've rarely done a deal to bet on the coming because my crystal ball is broken. I'm just not 100% sure what's in pre COVID because we just never knew what was going to happen. So we just would invest for what was going to happen then. And so we've always invested for cash flow. The COVID has caused us to even further push into deals that just make sense at acquisition. So the deal we have under contract in North Carolina in Winston-Salem right now produces great cash flow day closing. And we're only going to increase that cash flow, but I'm not going to cross my fingers and hope that it cash flows or put a bunch of supplemental capital into the deal so I can pay investors prep and cross my fingers and hope that it does, hope that the market forgives. And I was talking to another investor the other day, and he said that appreciation, a growing market forgives a lot of mistakes, which is good. And yeah, the, But true. the whole US has been growing 
for a very long period of time in real estate values and in rental values and everything like that. And I think we're going to see a lot of mistakes get exposed as the market. Maybe I think more likely you're right. The market's more more likely going to level off versus crash or anything like that. But uh, I think that we're going to see uh, a leveling out, which is going to change strategies and maybe push people more towards cash flow. Which when I first started investing, you could buy rental properties that crazily enough would make money when you bought them. But that sounds like the total foreign concept leading up into COVID. But I think that that's going to become more in fashion as we go. It's going to be harder to get financing. Yeah. I think some of the hot areas of the U.S., you almost don't cash flow. So I was born and raised in Salt Lake City. And I started, first place that I started looking for multifamily was Salt Lake City. And I mean, I had to use like a 5%, 6% appreciation year on year. Yeah. Just for the deals to pencil. And they had been getting that for the previous years, but you just can't count on that. And I wish I had a crystal ball. I mean, yours is broken. At least at least you have a broken one. But w- without that crystal ball, it's it's, it's really yeah. hard to, really hard to bank on that. So yeah, yeah. I, pre- I appreciate that. I think that's that's a very solid investment strategy. You invest for cash flow and if it's cash flowing day one, I mean, you're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And, and thank you for, for saying that. And I think that up appreciating markets are great to play a part in when they're happening, but you can't write a long-term business plan around it. Yeah. So, yeah. And uh, this, this quote has been used a lot. I don't know who said it first, but somebody said when, when the tide goes out, you're going to find out how many people were, were swimming naked. You know? yeah. So yeah, I think that was a Warren Buffett. I think, yeah. I think one of yeah, yeah. I think Warren Buffett did say that. You're right. So, well, good. So if you don't mind, what's, what's your motivation for investing in apartments and real estate in general? What, what's your big burning why behind it? To make lots of money. No, not. That's <laughs> not. No. I, I, I think if, if your motivation is to make money or because if, if I, I talk to so many people and a motivation I can tell is to make money or because they hate their job. Mm-hmm. Number one, if you're investing because you hate your job, just go get a new job because yeah. real estate investing is a big is a big fat job too, or can be. And and secondly, money is only a vehicle; it's not the why, right? So for us, for my wife and I, our why, and I wish this DeRosa sign behind me had it written on there, but it doesn't. It's to transform lives through real estate. Mm-hmm. We believe that real estate investing can create transformation for the people that live in it, for the people mm-hmm. that work for it, and the people that invest in it. And so. We're all about creating a better life for people through our business. That's what we do. And, that, and that's why I do what I do, because I think that we can leave a real impact on, on people if we run a business that's beyond profit. And that, that's, we, we, yeah, we make money. That's great. We do make money, but we do it while we make a difference too. Yeah. I, I was following your, your YouTube channel long before we, we met for the first time, but you put a lot of free content out there. I think that's a testament to what you just said is you mm-hmm. know, you're looking to, to help other people change their life and just putting all that free content. And it, it's, it's a very good channel. And you. You know, I, I love how you, you break a lot of things down almost Barney style, you know? So anyway, yeah, I really, Thank really you. appreciate that. And, you know, appreciate uh, what you do. So if you would, please, could you give us kind of a, a rundown of e- either one of the deals you've done or the typical sure. type of projects you guys are doing right now? Yeah. Well, let's stick on what we're doing right now. We're buying, again, this is, you know, again, not pounding my chest because this is a large deal for us too, but it's a 336 unit in North Carolina. And we, you know, went through a typical bidding process, best and final, everything like that to get the deal. But because of COVID, we got like a 12% discount off of the, the owner had it under contract before COVID, right? Mm-hmm. Lined up to go to closing. Buyer backs out because COVID hits. 
And the buyer was going to use something called bridge financing, which is where you get really high loan to value in your purchase price, 100% of construction. Bridge financing is a phenomenal way to finance a deal, but it just bridge financing is pretty much dried up. And so that borrower could not do a bridge anymore. So they they canceled the deal, right? And so there are deals to be had and the seller is motivated. They're they're ending one partnership and starting another one. So they need to sell to, to close out their books and to close out this partnership they have. And so they're motivated. And so the, the purchase price is, is not good. It's great. And we're super excited about the deal, about the location. I, I think that, uh, you know, given COVID, that we should all look for a location. We should try and get better locations geographically because of COVID. So it's instead of like, hey, I was going to buy this building for $50,000 a unit, right? Mm-hmm. Well, COVID hits. I'm going to now try and get that building for forty. Maybe if your budget is $50,000 a unit, you might find that a building in a better location, a B-class asset or whatever, may be on sale at forty yep. at $50,000 a unit. So I recommend not trying to squeeze great deal, squeeze the good deal you have already and try and get the price down. Maybe upgrade your location, maybe upgrade your asset class, maybe upgrade the size of property you're going for in that. So because of that, because of COVID, we were able to get a great location on probably a larger asset than we would have stretched for pre-COVID, right? <laughs> North Carolina, what, one of the best states to invest in that I, from what I think anyway, I'm biased because we already own there, but it's, it's yeah. been a great market. We're very bullish on North Carolina too. I mean, Winston-Salem, mm-hmm. it's part of that Piedmont triad. It, it, it mm-hmm. is one of the fastest growing areas in the U.S. right now. So mm-hmm. I mean- yeah. The screen's all over that place. I don't think you have to be biased to be able to say that. I mean, that's that's just, in, in my opinion, my biased opinion, that's a fact, right? Yeah. Fact. Yeah. So. yeah. So the best part about it that, that I will say, uh, Brian, is the team that I have on the deal. Mm-hmm. And I think that, well, I'm not an individual investor anymore. We're not a mom and pop, my wife and I anymore. We were in the beginning, but we haven't been that for years. But I've now got a crazy, crazy awesome team, as I know you do for, I think Four Oaks is the name Mm -hmm. of your company, right? So we've got an acquisition manager who kicked the door in. He's been researching this market for a year Mm -hmm. and pushed us in this deal and said, listen, this is it. You know, this is where we've got to go. And he pushed us on this deal. I have an underwriter who found a financial model that works. I have an asset manager that's going to make that business plan soar as soon as we own it. And I've been able to, I've been able to assemble a really strong list of investors that are interested in the deal. So I think that Teamwork is what it takes to make bigger deals like this happen. And that I know you're you're part of a great team. I know some mutual friends of ours like Michael Black have created phenomenal teams around themselves too. Yep. And so we're just that's probably the I'm most what I'm most excited about is the team I've assembled to help yep. me with this deal. Yeah, and I, I met a couple of your guys. I, I assume you have the same, you know, roughly mm-hmm. the same team as, you as last year. Yeah. Uh, at uh, Michael Blank's thing yep. last month. Yeah, to make your life. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I remember talking to to your underwriter for probably about 30 minutes and I pulled out my notebook and started taking notes. I mean, <laughs> you got a phenomenal underwriter there. So, but yeah. Uh, yeah, he's a scientist. Yeah. Good, good. Yeah. You need, you need guys like that. Once upon a time, I was a mathematician, but been in the military since 2001. So I can't really call myself that anymore, but I got I'm a recovering potential. engineer. You could say you're a recovering mathematician. Right, right. Uh, yeah. True. I, I like that. Recovering mathematician. So. Yeah. But uh, good, good. So Matt, what's next for you in DeRosa Capital? DeRosa um, Group, excuse me. Sure, sure. The the, 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 kind of the property we're buying is under DeRosa Capital 11, mm-hmm. which is maybe you got it from. But the, the next thing for DeRosa is where I think that real estate is going to start going and where I think that specifically passive investors are going to start going. Mm-hmm. And that is a blended fund. I think that the days of folks saying, okay, 
here's the property I'm buying. I'm going to, if you want to invest with me, you're going to invest in this property, one, two, three Main Street, and we're going to sure cross our fingers and hope our business plan works. Off we go. And the nut market, that's okay. Because yep. likely all those properties are going to do well. But with COVID and with the potential recession and with everything else that's in the pipeline, diversification makes more sense. And exposure to opportunities makes more sense too. And so we're going to be building a diversified fund that invests in different, not just different deals, but different deals, different operators, and different mm -hmm. asset classes. And so we're going to build the diversified fund that's going to produce at or better rates of return. But because of the diversification that we do, we're going to be able to offer other benefits to investors, including pass-through tax benefits, but also liquidity. Mm -hmm. And when can you invest in a syndication and have your cash be liquid still? Yeah. And so through liquidity, we can offer the opportunity for investors to get in get out. That's something we're building. We're in the middle of building that diversified fund, which I'm super excited to launch when we do, probably towards the end of the year. But that's next for DeRosa. And then I really want to start flying our transforming lives flag a little more about how what we do can really, really benefit the rebuilding of America and the rebuilding of the benefiting of people's lives. And we really want to take that public beyond the typical circles that the three of us women, like kind of more national and, and more national marketing, more bigger brand advertising to try and expose a lot of America to alternative investments. Yeah. And it's something for, for many, many years was just not accessible to the average person. I remember reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you know, 15, yep. 18, 20 years ago. And he, he talked about syndications in that book, but at the time it was just not accessible to, to a whole big group of people. And I, I think that's, that's smart. I know, I know a lot of people who are talking about making funds like that. Diversification is, is probably what we need to have happen just because Real estate's not going to be on a rocket ship for the next ten years. We're in a part mm -hmm. of a cycle where you know most people are saying that we are we're kind of at the peak right now. You know we got this whole COVID thing that's thrown a wrench into things. So I, I think diversification in in the future is is very smart and the way to go. Mm -hmm. So, well, we have Katie Love on the line here. I'd like to introduce her and, and bring her on too. So just a little bit about her. Katie Love decided to pursue real estate when her husband Darren was on a military deployment and they did an accidental flip in her words. I'll let her explain that one. When they realized the potential of real estate, that real estate had to build income and wealth, they, they bought their second single family fix and flip. Since then, they joined the Brad Summit Group and are now looking for their first apartment deal in Kansas City, Missouri. So Katie, welcome to the show. Thanks. Glad to be here. Good, good. So why don't you start out by telling us a little bit about, about yourself up until the point where you decided to pursue apartment investing. Sounds good, Brian. So my husband and I are from KC. We've been married for 11 years. Back in 2018, he just was deployed over to Iraq and I was back home with a two-month-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old. When I realized I needed to take a step back from work, I talked to my boss and surprisingly, he about fired me on the spot, which kind of made us have to take a shift and see what we can do next. So I talked to Darren, who was overseas, and he was like, well, you're creative. You can come up with something. And so I said, I wanted to sell the house. We had a real estate agent come out, decided to go ahead and sell, packed up the house. And now, the house you're living in is the one you're talking about. Yes, the house we were living in. So we go ahead and pack up the house, get the house sold, and the net for the house after we sold it actually compensated two years of my income. And so it caught my attention enough to say, if, if we could duplicate that, I wouldn't have to go back to work at all. 
So we started self-educating, read all the books, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, started on that route. When Darren came back home um, in 2019, we decided to go ahead and start on the single family flips. And we bought our first flip. We turned it in about three weeks and did it ourselves and decided that was not a route we ever wanted to do it again. And after we had read a couple other books by Ken McElroy, we really decided multifamily was the route we wanted to go in and really establish our niche. So we've just been networking and that's kind of where we are today. Just looking to put together a multifamily deal here in Kansas City. Yeah. Well, now, I, I mean, I feel bad for you. I'm active duty military and I know my wife has had to move a couple of times while I've been deployed. It's, it's not a fun situation. It's very stressful. So kudos to you for handling that so well and great creative solution. You get two years worth of income for, for selling a house. That, how long did you live in the house? We lived there three years and we hadn't really done a whole lot to fix it up. Nice. Now, Katie, you, you mentioned a book just a minute ago. Can, can you tell us exactly what book that is? Yeah. Rich Dad, Poor Dad is what, was, what started us off. All right. And then you said McElroy? Yeah. Ken McElroy is part of Rich Dad, Poor Dad group. So he kind of has the multifamily Okay. So one of the Rich Dad, Poor Dad series books by Ken McElroy. Okay. Yes. Got it. Got it now. Yeah. We'll, we'll put a, a link to that in the show notes for anybody who wants it. Now, what else did you guys, you said you, you set out to educate yourself. What else, else did you guys do to educate yourselves? So we realized a lot of what we would need to compensate for our lack of experience was to join a group with experience. And so we researched a lot of different groups and ended up landing on the Brad Sumrock group out of Texas. We joined up with them kind of help with the education training, but also surrounds us with people with lots of experience that are willing to partner with people with an experience. Yeah. You know, I think that's a smart move. And and I, I did something similar, you know, several years ago, you know, with me, it was the Michael Blanc group, but you get the education, you're around a lot of people. It helps with your confidence and accelerates the education, to be honest with you. And then when you're ready to do a deal, you've got a bunch of potential partners already there. Yep. Hey, Katie, so, so next question for you, we want to focus on your big burning why. What is your why or your motivation for investing in apartments? So that started by fueling the whole 14 months Darren was deployed. When he came back from those 14 months, something really sank in for both of us, that that was just time spent apart that we could never get back. My two-month-old, when he came back, didn't even know who he was. And my two and a half year old, right after he left, would stand at the door and tell me, "Um, I want daddy. And it was just absolutely heartbreaking. And Darren, he said something so apropos when he came home and it was the way he described it. And he said, you know, what? the only way I can explain what it's like to come back after 14 months apart was it's like dying and coming back. And that really sunk in to make us realize that time is finite. Everything else, all the lifestyle that we create to have to sustain our, our life, it can give and give and take. Like if you have more money, you can make more money, you can make less money, but what you can't get back is time. And that really started to fuel this direction of how do we leverage our income so that we can have more time with our family. So after 11 years in the military, fighting for freedom for the country, 
you know, fighting for freedom for our time is just another aspect of being able to have the same financial freedom. Freedom for your time is, is just as important as freedom for your country. So I think that's that's a big push for, for why we love this direction and how it just fits so well from what we've already done um, in the military to transition out into real estate investing. Yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, I, I've been in the military, you know, a little longer than Darren, but my oldest daughter turned 21 two weeks ago. And I have missed, I think, 18 of her birthdays. And and most of it was due to military deployments. You know, it was a year in Afghanistan, year in Iraq, you know, and, and like, like your husband, I went on one deployment with a newborn baby. I was there for the birth and two weeks, three weeks later on a plane. Yeah, definitely, definitely resonates with me. I understand that completely. I also have a lot of sympathy for the position you were in. I mean, when I when I'm deployed and my wife has problems or, or the family have problems, it's 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 almost heartbreaking. Yeah, well, it is heartbreaking, you know, because there's you're on this other side of the world sometimes, and there's almost nothing you can do. But I mean, you you handled it fabulously, and I mean, two years worth of W two job income on a flip like that's just amazing. So mm-hmm. yeah, good yeah. good good for you on that one, and that I think that speaks volumes about you know your your character. So. So we have Matt here on the line, an expert in a lot of areas of real estate. Uh, what would you like yeah. to ask him? Hi, thank you, Matt. I've, I loved your book. I thank read you. it too. I'll put a shameless plug in. You need to go read it. Did um, you write it or review yet, Katie? I haven't. I will go write a review. Okay. I'll forgive you. The day, the day is not over yet. So, <laughs> yeah. Great. Um, <laughs> what can I do I, for you? One of my biggest questions starting out with being an inspiring investor is I've really focused in on the fact that syndication is all about the team. And so starting out, not having any experience and looking for experienced partners is how do I, or how do any other inspiring investors position ourselves well so that it either overshadows our inexperience or what can we bring to the team or what do we need to focus on learning to be able to bring something valuable to an experienced team that would make us stand, maybe stand out from all the other aspiring investors. Mm, okay. Okay. Great question. So if I heard you right, I'll, I'll sum it up. What I heard you say was that as a newer investor, the, the crux that you have is it's, it's hard to get deals to get taken seriously and get financing unless you have experience. And then the problem is, is that it's hard to get experience unless you do deals, right? And so you can do this one of two ways. You can either start small and go big. That's what, that's what Liz and I did. We started in smaller real estate and worked our way up quickly. And you can work your way up fast. It's, you do not have to invest in single families and small multis for as long as we did. I've told people before, if you double your portfolio every time you do a deal, you will grow exponentially. And so you and Darren, I think your husband's name is, you guys could start at like 10 units and go and find, you know, find a small investor, buy a 10 unit, do a burr strategy, renovate it, do really well with it, use that creative brain you got there and make that 10 unit sing a song, right? And then go and do a 20 and then a 40 and then an 80 and then 160. That may take you several years to get there, right? So if you do that, you and Darren are going to be driving the bus. You're going to be adding to your team as you guys grow. Maybe the team is just you two as you start, but very quickly you can expand out. That is option one. And you have a lot more control and you have a lot more jurisdiction over your future if you do that. Or you can do option two. 
which is where you go and ask yourself the big question, what am I great at? Aside from like thinking completely outside the box on selling your house to meet your expenses for two years, which I thought was awesome. That, that, that's such a cool story. And, 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 I, and I, uh, I envision you telling that on stage in front of a couple hundred people one day. And so you use that creative brain of yours to, th- to make like an awesome list of you and Darren for the next slide of like 20 things. Of, of ways that you think that you could add value to a real estate business, right? Whether that's marketing or like, it's like stupid stuff, designing a logo. We just paid a bunch of money to design a logo at one of our apartment complexes in Kentucky, right? Apartment buildings and apartment building businesses need all kinds of things. And so if you can figure out stupid stuff, like how to make their email talk to, through Zapier to some other thing over here, then you're a value. Or if you can figure out how to design logos or how to help them find deals, whatever. Find a way to bring your greatness, your God-given talents to the real estate business and then approach someone who you like and respect that has a reasonable track record and say, hey, here's why I'm awesome and here's why you need me. You know, And then have that conversation like 30 times. Then make sure that they're in a market that you can add value to. There's a lot of growth going on in Kansas City. I've talked to several people that are buying Kansas City. We're not, but find people that are. Right. And the biggest way by far, hands down that you can add value to a real estate investor is what do we all need? We all need money and we all need deals. Okay. And so the way you add, you add value, you're going to have to kick the door in if you start telling them that you want to be their marketing specialist. But if you're like, Hey, I have a lead on a hundred unit apartment complex and you need to call me back in the next 24 hours or I'm calling the next person on the list. That's probably more powerful. So I think the easiest way in with a syndicator or with a big real estate company is an opportunity, right? And, and just, but bottom line, don't approach people and say, hey, can I pick your brain? Or hey, can I learn from you? Or hey, can I be on your team? Don't do that. Find ways to add value. Like, hey, listen, this, it's not like, you know, hey, can I help you? It's, this is why you need me. You see the difference in the conversation, right? Sure. So, and obviously like a deal or equity or two or one of those two ways you can, you can add value like that. So that's my two cents. Does that help you? What do you think? Yeah, that does. Okay, so let's take this to an even deeper level and talk about strengths and weaknesses on a personal level. Now, what would you think would be something, maybe a couple attributes that you could have character-wise or personality-wise that would really make you stand out and for somebody to go, man, I really want that on my team. You got to remember, there's more than one seat on the syndicator bus. On the apartment building bus, I see there's four seats, right? It's not just because Brian's company has four people. I think think four is the perfect number, actually. Four is the number. And and I can tell you what all four of them do, right? One of them finds deals. And there's a certain tenacious, let the door get slammed in your face 28 times in, uh, without losing zeal in exchange for having the 103rd person say, yes, you can buy my apartment building, right? Mm-hmm. That's number one. And that's, they, also, they also have to know markets and they have to know how to find opportunities, know the good neighborhoods, bad neighborhoods. So market knowledge in turn with Energizer Bunny energy, right? That's number one. That's the first person. That's the deal finder. The second person is the underwriter. Once that deal gets found, you need a numbers data person. That person is very different than the first person, right? Mm-hmm. That's the analyst. That's the person that jumps in, puts the blinders on, the, you know, breaks out Michael Blanc's syndicated deal analyzer and puts that deal in a chokehold and doesn't let it out until the right business plan and the right way to spin it shows up, 
right? Market research, lots of spreadsheeting, lots of Excel. If you get it, that's a very different person than the first person I just talked about, right? So that's the analyst. Third person is the one that locates the money on both sides, the debt and the equity, your capital raiser, if you will. That's the person that goes out and talks to money relationships and is a good salesperson, is good at explaining complex things and can make them sound fairly simple. If you could talk to your oldest child and tell them how a car works and to the point where they can understand it, then you might be a, you might be a capital raiser, right? I can, I'm, I'm a capital raiser. I can explain to my six-year-old how an airplane works and he'll understand. And that's not because I'm smart or whatever, but I can make super complex things super basic. If you've got good networks and you're good at explaining complex stuff, then you could be a capital raiser. And the fourth person is the one that takes the business plan and hammers it into fruition, meaning like, hey, I've got a deal, I've got a plan, and I've got money. The third, the fourth person is called the asset manager. And that's the one that really browbeats the property manager into submission, the one that's probably there to, you know, just just drive things home. And if you smile too much or if you're too nice or if you ask people how their day was, you're probably not that person. You got to be the person that's not very likable, that's really willing to get in people's faces and drive and say, you're not producing, I need to see better or I'm going to fire you in that. That's also not me. I'm not that person. I'm the good time, happy, nice guy. I have another person that's not nice that does that for me. And so those are the four seats. If you find yourself, if you find, and I'll bet you one of those four, if I can be so bold as to ask you, which of those four speaks to you? I'd probably be more of the networker. Got it. How about your husband? He's not the same, is he? He's the underwriter. Yeah. Got it. Okay. The underwriter and the risk mitigation. Yeah. Good. The underwriter can also be the asset manager because they're the one that writes the business plan. And so you don't have to have four people for Brian's right. Four is the better number. But for years, there was not four of us. Now there is. And so the guy find that the capital raiser and the deal finder can be the same person because they're kind of the front. They're the one that's, that's the, you know, the good time person. Hey, let's go get coffee kind of thing. Right. And then the person behind the scenes is the one that underwrites and that browbeats the property manager, doesn't care too much what people think about them kind of thing, right? Yeah. So yeah. you and your husband could share those seats. So I'll, I'll throw two cents in. Real world example, a, guy, a husband-wife partnership that I met at a meetup here, they were in a similar position as you. He was really good at relations and she was really good at underwriting. And so he would spend most of his days calling brokers, getting deals. She would underwrite the deals. And then they'd pick up the phone and they would call syndicators when they got a good deal. Hey, we've got this good deal here. We've got this good deal there. And eventually they got picked up with a larger syndication group as part of the team. So it was just one of those. That happens? Yeah. Taking, taking, taking your strengths, like, like Matt said, and just doing what every syndicator needs. And he's absolutely right. The two things that you know, we, we live and die off are deals and money. We need mm-hmm. a constant flow of deals and a constant flow of money. And Pick and choose. Take take one, take the other, take them both, and, and you'll be an asset. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I hope that helps. And I mean, I, I can say all the people on my real estate team, none of them are employees, and they all had their own businesses, and we just formed a collaborative. So Brian's absolutely right. You and Darren could get going and become the king and queen of Kansas City small real estate, stuff that you can handle now. And as you scale up and grow, when a larger outfit comes into Kansas City and wants to make themselves known, they're gonna they're not gonna just try and set up shop. They're gonna parachute in and try and find who the winners there already. And you guys are gonna show up at the top and they'll bring you in and they're gonna give you equity and off you go. Right. 
that's likely how it'll go. That's how we would do it. If we were coming into a new market, I'd go and find who the players are first. I'm not going to go rebuild the wheel, you know? Yeah. No. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, that's really good. So there you so, go. So what, what else you got, Katie? What other <laughs> questions? Did you answer all your questions already? I think so. Yeah. Okay. So I think the only other thing I can think of outside of skill sets would just be personal attributes. What about a kind of personal attributes or character that would make somebody stand out? Well, you got to have good character. Well, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Something specific. Don't like. lie. Yeah. You know, that's bad. <laughs> No, I mean, I think that I, I believe, and this that you're getting into my opinion about things, and so I'll put that out there, right? The skill sets I talked about are what skill sets are, but I think that it takes a certain level of tenacity, a certain level of facing adversity and problems and being willing to stay in it and not quit. I think that's just required for this business because this business can be like strapping yourself to a rhinoceros, you know, uh, it just, just doesn't want you sometimes sitting on it. So it likes to try and, you know, buck and everything like that. So there can be rough days in real estate. And I think you already know that. So if you're willing to figure out what to do and sell, okay, I'll just sell my house is what I'll do. If you're a solution finder, instead of a quitter, it's necessary because this business will give you 10 opportunities to quit in one year. And if you don't, then, then that's, then that's just a necessary equation for success. I think it's just what it takes. The people that I know that, that win in this business are ones that get their teeth kicked in and then get up and fight another round. So that's one thing that's necessary. I think, I think that being willing to pivot and being willing to constantly step outside of yourself and look at the way you're operating and second guess and learn from your mistakes and everything like that. That's another key attribute, I think. And I think that you've got it. I mean, having a why that's bigger than money because money, once it comes, it, believe it or not, once money starts to show up, it can be very, it can be very like, like kind of like a letdown, like, oh, unless you got something to do with it. It, it, it can be, um, you know, what, what's there, you know what I'm hunting for? It, it can be just not, not, as, uh, not as exciting as you think it might be once it hits. Yeah. So you've got to have the why that's beyond that to keep you going. Yeah. Yeah. Money throw, itself is not a motivator. Yeah, I'll throw yeah. my two cents in and I've got this plastered all over my wall for the camera so you can see it, you know, hustle. So my big burning why is, is similar to yours. You know, I've been in the military and it's, it's not an easy life for families. And I want to be able to maintain the same standard of living and get out of the military so I can spend that time with my kids. So I've got that big burning why and I remind myself of it. I've got a countdown. Okay, I think I'm going to read you know, my last day in uniform is going to be August 5th next year. So today that is, you know, 371 days away. So got that countdown. I got my big burning why. And on my wall, it says hustle, verb, the most important word ever. So I've got a definite timeline. I've got a big burning why. And I got constant reminders that I need to keep hustling to, to make that come to fruition. And that helps. I love that. I love I mean, that banner. That's so yeah. cool. So my, my, my attorney actually sent it to me, you know, my SEC attorney. So I, I saw that and I'm like, you know what? That is absolutely perfect. I've been a new, I need a new SAC attorney. Yeah. So well, I might've gotten a thank you email, but that's it. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I, I got, I, I got big, big wall candy right there. So, um, nice. but uh, anyway, yeah, that's, that's, that's really what fuels me. And I, I agree with the tenacity thing. I mean, especially when you're starting out, I mean, I had so many broker calls where I talked to brokers for the first time and I cold call them and so many, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll send it to you. I'll send it to you. And then silence. And then they, they stop taking your calls. No, they don't. So it took a lot of tenacity and it was me looking every morning at that big burning why 
I have 371 days to be able to replace my active duty income. I need to, I need to keep going. So I, I think that the big burning why helps with the tenacity. And I think the tenacity, the hustle have to be there. But I really think that big burning why is what drives it all. So I agree. We're, we're about out of time, guys. But uh, I appreciate both of you guys for coming on the show. I appreciate the, the, the value you brought. Katie, you know, I really, really appreciate your situation, what you've done. And, and I think being a, a military wife is probably the hardest job in the world. And you, you handle it with grace and a lot of thinking outside the box to get things done. Matt, I've been a fan of yours, yours for several years, you. so appreciate you coming on the show. So one, one question for both of you, and Matt, you go first. How can our listeners get in touch with you? Sure. They just go to derosagroup.com, D-E-R-O-S-A group.com. On that website, they could buy a copy of my book. Mm-hmm. They can hear more about investing with us if they're accredited investors. They can in, get in touch with a lot of our education outlets, including my YouTube channel and my wife's real estate invest her show. That's derosagroup.com. All right. Perfect. And that'll be in the show notes. And Katie, how about you? Yeah. The best way would be email at katielove at lionheartventure.com. Or just look me up on Facebook or LinkedIn under Katie Love. All right. Perfect. Hey, once again, thanks guys for coming on this show. Really appreciate the time that we spent together today. Awesome. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks, Brian. All right. And that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast today, brought to you by Four Oaks Capital. If you'd like to know more about how to invest in apartment buildings or want to be a guest in our show, visit our website at fouroakscapital.com slash podcast or email us directly. If you're still listening, you obviously like the show. So pull out your phone, tap subscribe and leave us a five star rating on your favorite podcast app. And we'll see you again next week.